scripture reading today is Exodus 20, 1 through 17. It's on page 72 of the Pew Bible. Morgan, this uh, ancient form of communication, it's called a book. So if you go to the front, turn 71 pages to the right. Okay. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. If you're with us, uh, you're visiting with us, we're in the middle of walking through the book of Exodus. We're now going through the Ten Commandments, and we're at a, I think, the most difficult commandment to understand and apply, the Sabbath day commandment. So we'll try to tackle that today. Jenny and I, we recently <clears throat> were able to go to the Sing Conference. It's a, a worship conference. Uh, brings together worship leaders, pastors, to study about worship in the church. And it was a sweet time. It was made possible by Dan and Mary Ann Miller. We're so thankful for them. We had such a sweet time not only at the conference, but just a time to be with them and get to know them better and just a good time of fellowship. And as you know, I'm a little bit laid back when it comes to dress. I'm not very formal. When I came here, uh, the pastor search committee uh, had a meeting with them and talking about um, what I would do if I was pastor. And I just said, what do you want me to wear? I said, it doesn't matter to me. You just have to tell me now. I just want to know what the expectations are. Do you want me to wear coat and tie? I just want to know now. And they're like, no, please don't. And I was like, yes. <clears throat> I'm a little bit laid back. That's my, my personality, my preference. I'm not very formal. Um, my paternal grandparents, their influence on me was not small. Many of you uh, knew my grandparents and my Grandmother had a, a, a pet peeve of hers. When you walked into her house, oftentimes if you had a hat on, which we always had a hat on, you would take your hat off. And you most definitely did not sit at her table with your hat on. She might knock it off hoping your head would be inside it, right? It was like this pet peeve. It was one of the things you did not do. It was very offensive to her. 
so I was influenced by her, and I go off to college. When I get to college, we're sitting in Union University's uh, eating area, the cafeteria part of the, the campus, and, and all my buddies would sit down, and these guys, most of them love the Lord. Many of them are ministers, pastors, um, even to this day, but they would sit down at the table, and they would just go to eating with their hat on, and it just, I couldn't, it just unnerved me. It bothered me. But what I found out, you know, really quickly, is that not everybody was brought up like I was brought up. Everybody's different. Well, fast forward to the scene conference. We're at this conference with all these worship leaders and thousands of people there. And there's a conference uh, or worship leader there. Um, in fact, he's the first song we sang, Loving Kindness. He's the one who wrote that song. But he's up on stage, this hymn writer at this grand piano leading us in worship. And what is he wearing? Not like a hat. He's wearing like an old, dirty, Carhartt-looking ball cap leading worship. And I, it, it's just really interesting. Um, my grandmother would have been really bothered by that and distracted, as maybe some of you would be as well. But, you know, that worship leader, he hadn't broken any commandments in the Old Covenant or the New Covenant that I can find or I can think of, right? So we just have to conclude, we have to be careful when Scripture doesn't specific, specifically address an issue, we can't be judgmental or legalistic. We have to, there's Christian liberty, right? Where Scripture is silent, we have to be gracious to others. Now I'll show my hand a bit. We're at the fourth commandment. We're going to study this commandment in and the fourth commandment, you can remember four, you have to hold up your hand like this. You have to do this in order to remember these commandments. You have to do the, the hand motions. The four, fourth commandment, do you know the fourth? Yeah, you, you, what do you do? You, usually you take a rest on the Sabbath, right? So the fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? So we're, we're taking a rest on the Sabbath. Well, I'm going to tip my hand, kind of let you know, from the get-go where I'm going with this, and so uh, we get to the end, and we can maybe you can understand a little better. But I believe this commandment is fulfilled in Christ. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And so when we think about the Lord's Day, notice I didn't say the Sabbath. When we get to the Lord's Day, and we talk about the Lord's Day today under the New Covenant, we have to be, I think, careful not to be legalistic about what we do and don't do. We have liberties in how we celebrate the Lord's day. And I think when we finish today, there's some of you will agree with me and some of you won't, and that's totally fine. I'm not a pastor. You've got to agree with me. It's my way or the highway. That's, that's not uh, the case usually. Just definitely not the case today because this commandment has been debated throughout the centuries and even today, how do we apply that as New Covenant believers? What does this Sabbath day mean for us in the New Covenant? But what about the Sabbath? We see the fourth commandment being binding on the nation of Israel, right? Of course, God gave them a command and they should obey it. But what about for us today, the church? We know that we're not under the law, as Romans 7 instructs us. And we also can't find this command repeated 
explicitly or restated in the New Testament. And we said that each of these commandments, bar one, have a New Testament equivalent. Well, this is the one example that we don't see in the New Covenant explicitly stated. And think about, it, think about the commands. All right, the first one, let's, let's review by way of review. Uh, command one, right? You have to do one. You have to do this. Yeah, because you'll remember it if you do this. It's one God, right? Have no other gods before me. One God. And we see that commandment, the first one, we see it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Have no other gods before me. The second command, remember? Yeah, the second command. Don't carve any idols. It's clever, huh? It, I didn't come up with it, so you can say, yeah, it's clever. It is pretty clever. Don't carve any idols, right? Don't have any idols before me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, idols can be both physical and spiritual, right? Galatians chapter 5, very familiar verse. Living in the, under the spirit, living under the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mention idolatries there among all those other heinous things that we're not to do. What do we do when we have, we have idols? God created us in his image, but what do we do? We making idols, we make God into our own image, don't we? Command number three, you remember? Command number three, you got to hold your fingers up here. got to hold your fingers up. Yeah, don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? Vain. If you, do the, if you don't do this, you can't remember them. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the, the key. And, and again, why, why should we learn them? Why not learn them? Remember, ignorance isn't a virtue, right? We can be ignorant about a lot of things, but the Ten Commandments, yeah, it would be good to know those things, right? Yeah. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't, don't take God's name in vain. Don't make his name commonplace. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and teaching his disciples how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We see this command also restated, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1. Let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that... The purpose clause there, the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled or taken in vain. So now we come to the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath day holy. Think for a moment back to the context of what this command undeniably meant when it was originally given. Okay, that's what we're going to do just for a few moments. These Ten Commandments, they're, they're a summary of God's covenant law of his relationship with Israel and keeping these commands, what did they do? They set the nation of Israel apart from the rest of the world. In fact, they're to be so different that they're to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So they're to be different than the other nations. So a couple points from our text today. Number one is Israel is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's pretty straightforward, right? Right from the text. And Chase, he read our text today there in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. 
Now, how was Israel to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy? Well, it's real easy to see from the text is not to work or to rest, right? Look at verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So they're to work six days. There's a, a theology or understanding of work, right, the doctrine of work here. We, we should work, right? And that's needed. People need to hear that. We should work. We should get after it, right? We should uh, earn money to take care of our families. We do that on six days, or, or the Israelites were told to do that on six days, and then stop and rest on the seventh, the Sabbath. And Sabbath actually means to stop or to cease or to rest. That's what the word means. Now, it's interesting. This isn't the first time that they've heard this. this is the, they're receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord, but it's not the first time that this commandment has been given. Where else do we see that? Do you remember? Anybody off the top of their head? Yeah, that's right. Uh, turn back real quick. Exodus chapter 16. Just flip back a couple pages. If you have your Bibles there, Exodus 16. Just flip back a couple pages. Chapter 16, verse 22. Remember, they're hungry. They're grumbling because they don't have anything to eat. We're going to starve to death in this wilderness. And what did God do? He promised to, to give them manna from heaven. Verse 22, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you'll bake and boil what you'll boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. You're thinking, if you just read right here and you don't know the, the context, you'd be like, what, what are you talking about, worms and stink? Well... God said he's going to provide manna for them. And every day, every morning, they would go out and gather enough bread to eat. Now, he told them every day, don't gather more than you should. Just enough for the day. But some of them, not trusting that God's going to provide it for the next day, what did they do? They gathered more than they should, tried to hoard it. And what happened? Really quickly, it began to stink and was eaten by worms. It was nasty, right? So here we go. On the sixth day, you're to, you're to gather up twice as much. Only on the sixth day. Fifth day, you gather up twice as much. It's going to be stinky and, and, and rot. But on the sixth day, God said, gather up twice as much so you'll have enough for the Sabbath. Because I don't want you working, gathering, and cooking and all that on the Sabbath. Do it on the, on the, on the Friday. Remember, their, their Sabbath was on Saturday. Gather up Friday and have enough for Friday and Saturday. So, verse 24, so they laid it. Aside till morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. God didn't even let it come down from heaven on the Sabbath. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Poor Moses. See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out to the place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So before the, the law was given on Mount Sinai, remember the, the Israelites, they left 
Egypt. They were rescued, redeemed from Egypt, and they traveled through the Red Sea. And what are they doing? They're on their way to the Promised Land. And on the way, they stop at Mount Sinai, and they're there for about 11 months receiving the law. Well, this chapter 16 happened before they got to the mountain to receive the law. So here, they're keeping the Sabbath before the Sabbath law was even given, right? So here we are. We see the Sabbath law given early, earlier than all the other commandments. And this re- command was required by Israel. You have, to, you have to obey. What do they have to do? They had to trust the Lord. Okay, this is what you said. You're going to provide enough for two days today. I'm going to keep it. It's not going to rot. It's not going to be eaten by worms. Tomorrow there's not going to be any manna, but I'm going to have enough because there's enough today. We have to trust the Lord to provide for them. That's what the Lord wanted them to do. So on the Sabbath, Israel declared total dependence on her covenant Lord, a Lord more than able to uphold his people, even though for one day in seven they hung up their shovels, they laid aside their plows, they rested from their labors. This commandment is pretty important for the nation. And some would say that it's the most important, and they get that from looking at the text. Wow, look at how many verses are are given addressing this one commandment more than any of the others. They would also say that this this command was given before they even got to Sinai. And, and also, others would say, well, keeping the Sabbath is mentioned elsewhere in the Old Testament more often than any of the other commandments. So this is an important commandment for the people. So they're to rest on the Sabbath. Well, why were there... Why were the nation of Israel, why were they required to keep the Sabbath? We'll look at, flip over to the right to verse 31 of Exodus. Why are they to keep it? Well, this is the sign of the covenant. If you think about covenants, you think about the covenant God made with Noah, there was a sign of the Noahic covenant. What was the sign? Do you remember the story of Noah? What was the, what was the sign? The rainbow. Yeah. And then the Abrahamic covenant, God gave them a sign as well. What was the sign of that covenant? Yeah, the circumcision of all the boys on the eighth day, right? And here we have a sign. Look at verse 13 of Exodus chapter 31. You are to speak to the people of Israel. God is speaking to Moses. And he says, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. So pretty pretty important, right? Pretty important. If you don't keep this command, you'll be put to death. But it's a sign, right? It's a sign of the covenant. Think about... The nation of Israel during these days, they were different. There to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation set apart from the other nations around them. And one of the ways they're set apart is they are a Sabbath-keeping people. There's no other nation on earth that would take one day out of the work week and rest and have their God provide for them. But the nation of Israel, they were the circumcised people, but they're also the Sabbath-keeping people. 
this rest day, this Sabbath day, set them apart. Why were they to remember the Sabbath? Because it's a, a sign for not only them, and, but also a sign for the nations. And it was a generous thing for God to do. I mean, think about the, the people laboring day in and day out. He's not like Pharaoh. Pharaoh was, a, was demanding. The Israelites worked day in and day out, building his cities, building this and building that. But God give them a day to rest. And, and it's, it's interesting, I was thinking about this. When we lived overseas, we lived in China. And China has really two different um, nations, really. There's one part of the nation that's third world. You know, they, they still till up their land using water buffalo. And then you have this other part of the country that's very developed as modern cities. And so when we lived our first first city we lived in was very much third world and you would ask somebody what day it was they never knew they never knew what day it was I don't know they didn't have a clue and the reason they didn't know what day it was because every day was the same because they worked seven days a week week in week out month in month out they never knew the day there was never any break that's why their Chinese New Year was such a big deal spring festival because they were off by like a month and they got to take a break but if you see the people there what happens if you work seven days a week your entire life and they worked some of some of them didn't work some you know chinese people just like american people right some of them are lazy and they don't do much right but there are a lot of those people were very hard-working people doing physical labor and what happens over time you do that seven days a week you age you look a lot older than you are because you live a hard life. So God was very generous giving them this gift. But another reason that they um, were to remember the Sabbath is because God rested on the Sabbath. Look at verse 11 of chapter 20. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the Sabbath rest is rooted in creation. God made all things in six days, and then he stopped, ceased creating. Now, that didn't mean he stopped working because the Lord has to sustain what he created. And he didn't stop working because he's tired, right? Because the omnipotent God doesn't grow weary like we do. No, it just means he stopped creating. His work ceased. The Lord did that, right? This day was not a, a day for business as usual. It was to be different. So this is how and this is why they were to keep the Sabbath. Now the second point we see from our text, thinking more about the New Testament, is Jesus fulfills the Sabbath. He kept the Sabbath, Jesus, when he walked on this earth. We see uh, recorded in the Gospels. On Saturday, where will you find Jesus? Find him at the tabernacle, either teaching or worshiping. Um, now, you do see him violate the man-made Sabbath laws. Uh, he healed on the Sabbath. Matter of fact, he even healed a cripple and then told the crippled man to pick up his cod and carry it home. He did that on the Sabbath. And it drove the self-righteous religious leaders crazy. 
the Pharisees, it drove them nuts. In fact, when, when you read through the gospel and you see the phrase, now it was a Sabbath day, you know trouble's coming. Jesus fixed to stir the pot. Jesus fixing to, he's fixing to make these Pharisees so mad because he often broke their man-made laws because he knew that the Sabbath was made for man and not man was made for the Sabbath, right? The Pharisees got it backwards. And he, ne he never broke. Jesus, we know that he never broke the fourth commandment. Did Jesus ever sin? No. And he fulfilled the law in every way. He completely obeyed the Father in every way. But notice in Matthew chapter 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. it's interesting. Jesus says these words, very familiar words. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Yeah. Give you rest. That's the Sabbath, right? Give you rest. I'll give you rest. And he says in the next verse, if you continue reading in there in chapter 11, he says, you'll find rest for you'll find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus does. He gives those who come to him in faith rest. And what's really interesting about these verses, if you read them in context, and I'll encourage you to go back, make note, if you, those of you are note takers, go back and look at the end of chapter 11 and then the first part of Matthew chapter 12. What's interesting is the context of the verse, these verses. Because what Jesus says, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, it immediately precedes this um, confrontation with the Pharisees about the Sabbath. And Jesus is going to conclude in Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It's Lord of the Sabbath. What does that mean? To be Lord of the Sabbath. Yeah, he decides what's done on the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath, right? He's In Jesus, something greater than the Sabbath is here. And Jesus did the same thing in, in, in chapter 12, verse 6, when he says something greater than the temple is here. I'm talking about the temple, right? I'll destroy it in three days. I'll raise it up again. Jesus claimed to be superior to these Old Testament paradigms. He's not only greater than, but he fulfills them. So the command to, to keep the Sabbath is reinterpreted in the New Testament, I, I believe, and ultimately points toward the rest we can have in Christ. And just as the covenant Jesus initiates is a better covenant than the old, the rest Jesus gives us is better than the Sabbath rest of the old covenant because it's an eternal rest. It's something that we experience, Jeff, we experience it now, we experience that rest now, but we know we won't re receive it ultimately and, and experience it ultimately until the consummation of all things when Jesus comes back. Then we'll experience it in its entirety. So Christ's first coming, it didn't abolish rest. What it did is it ushered in a deeper kind of rest than the Sabbath, the old covenant Sabbath, could ever offer. So Jesus fulfills the the Sabbath. The third thing we see here, I think, in, in regard to the Sabbath is we have the Sabbath versus the Lord's Day. And that's what I mentioned earlier. You have this New, New Testament Sabbath. We talked in, in our coffee and donut time, our fellowship time this morning, uh, about the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. It's what, what you find in the New Covenant, or what you don't find in the New Covenant, is the church keeping the Sabbath. 
the New Testament church, the believers. But we do see the mention of the Lord's Day, Revelation chapter 1. John the Revelator, he receives his vision. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And he, God begins to roll out and show him, give him this vision of this revelation of Jesus. But he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What's the Lord's Day? Yeah, in the New Covenant, it was Sunday. Now, the Jewish Sabbath was on Saturday. Now, you see Paul, when he would go to a new town on, on his missionary journeys. This is after Jesus been crucified, resurrected, ascended back in glory. The, the Spirit has come, right? Paul is going from place to place, place to place. Where would you find him on, on Saturday? At the synagogue, right? Wherever he was, he'd go to the synagogue. If there's a place of worship where the Jews were, that's where he would go. Why? Because he wanted to talk to the Jews about Jesus, right? But what you find in the New Covenant is you, you never find the church keeping the Sabbath on Saturday. What do you see? You see them gathering together on Sunday, the Lord's Day. B.B. Warfield, he's, he, he's quoted in Philip Ryken's commentary. He says this, Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him and brought the Lord's Day out of the grave with him on the resurrection morn. So this morning, do we, do we, we call it the Sabbath, we call it Lord's Day? Well, it, it's both. Well, I understand what you're saying, and sometimes it may, maybe it's just a semantic thing. Well, you don't see it in the New Covenant, the church keeping the Sabbath. Like, is, is this a Christian Sabbath? We say, well, you could call it that, but probably more biblical to say, this is the Lord's Day. Or at our house, we say it's worship day. Yeah, it's the Lord's Day. Six days are for work. One day is, one day is for worship. So you see, six days are for work. In the Old Covenant, one day is for rest in the Old Covenant. What you see now is six days are for work and one day is for worship. That's what you see in the New Covenant. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3, speaking about this is Old Covenant, right? Six days shall, be, shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Some translations say a holy assembly. That means worship. We shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. This day was set aside for rest, but also for worship. And Jesus endorsed worship on the Sabbath. When he was walking this earth, you see him in the synagogue. But with the new church, after Jesus was resurrected, he ascended into heaven, what do we see the church doing? They meet on the Lord's Day. That's Sunday, the first day of the week. And what do they do? What is the new church, the, the early church, what are they doing? They're remembering not as much the rescue of God's people from Egypt as they did the resurrection of Jesus Christ so the church could be what? Justified, right? You don't find any of the New Testament authors referring to Sunday as the Sabbath. You see them gathering on Sunday. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. A couple of texts here. On the first day of the week, what day was that? Sunday. When we were gathered together to break bread, Paul taught with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. That was when the cat was up on the, the windowsill and fell out and died, right? And Mark brought him back to I mean, Paul brought him back to life. What a neat, neat story there. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, 
Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul is telling them this is for an offering to take up, uh, taking up an offering for the, the poor Jews in Jerusalem. He says on the first day of every week. Why would he say on the first day of every week? Because that's when they got together, right, to worship. It seems to indicate that that's the day of worship for the early church. So I think we have to remember under the new covenant that Jesus did fulfill all these Old Testament promises. And I think our approach, understanding of a Sabbath rest now is different than it was for the nation of Israel. And I think there's two texts to help us understand that we're not obligated to keep the Sabbath in the same way as the Israelites. You don't throw it out the window. It's just different. Romans chapter 14, verse 5, and Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Romans 14, 5. Write those down if you're note takers. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Colossians 2, 16. Oh, you got it up there already. May I quick slide it. Look, let's look at the Colossians text. We'll come back to the Romans text in just a moment. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. This is Paul, of course, writing to the church in Colossae, right? Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Shadow is not as good as the real thing, right? So this old covenant, you've got a shadow, you've got this Sabbath keeping. That's just a shadow. It's pointing us to Jesus, right? The real rest that is to come. But the, the, it says here that there is, there's going to be maybe differences of opinion about how you handle the Lord's day. Let no one pass judgment on you. I love Tom Schreiner. He, he's got a book. It's called 40 Questions About Christians and Biblical Law. And there's a lot of these books. 40 Questions About I have several of them on a bookshelf. But he writes, what Paul says here is remarkable, for he lumps the Sabbath together with food laws, festivals like Passover and new moons. All of these constitute shadows that anticipate the coming of Christ. And since Christ has now come, observing the Sabbath is no longer a matter of obedience or disobedience. Rather, Paul says, let no one pass judgment on you. So there must be a different opinion about how, what you do on the Sabbath. Now, Maybe the question is, how do we enter that rest? We're talking about this rest. There's a Sabbath day rest in the Old Covenant. We said, no, Jesus has fulfilled that. And now we find rest in Christ. Well, how do we enter that rest? It's not by putting aside our weekly labors for one day out of seven, but by believing in Christ. Hebrews talks about that. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about entering the rest and the, the Israelites leaving uh, the, the, the land of Egypt and, and going to the promised land and that to get into the, to the land of rest. And he, he says, we who have believed enter that rest. See, faith in Jesus brings the rest of the seventh day into every day. So the Sabbath day rest is, is for us to experience every day. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. You can go to Hebrews chapter 4 if you want to read more about that. So are we, and here is Christians, 2021, are we under the law? Well, no. Romans 7 explicitly says we're not under law. Of course not. Are we obligated to keep the fourth commandment? Not like the Israelites. So 
So how do we keep the fourth commandment, you might say? By trusting Christ and entering His rest. We find rest, the kind of rest that remains long after Sunday has passed by trusting Christ. Scott Hubbard, he writes this, The world and the devil would have us work even while we rest. But Jesus would have us rest even while we work. And here in this Christ-saturated resting and working, we live out the Sabbath today and every day. So what do we do with this? Like I said, some of you may be like, man, I don't really know about all that, buddy. Well, take notes, call me, send me text. Love to talk to you about it. But like I said, I'm not going to fight you about it. I might arm wrestle. Or if you're bigger than me, I thumb wrestle you. But different opinion about this. Where we, what about the Sabbath? What, what, what does it look like explicitly? Of course, Jesus filled the Sabbath. There's no question about that. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. And the Sabbath rest is much better than the Old Covenant Sabbath rest, right? Because we can have that experience, that rest every day in Christ. But as far as the nuts and bolts, practically, what does that look like exactly? Well, let's just walk through application and maybe answer some of those questions. I want to answer all questions. That's what your small group leaders are for, right? Yeah, they'll answer, and they'll answer every question you have. And it'll be clear. There are great guys, man. They're great guys. I love them. Uh, it makes my, it, it really does my joy, my work here a joy working with these guys that study the word and love the word. Just a question, but we get into application. Um, I've got 16 minutes, 15 minutes and three seconds. Okay. What is your, what is your Lord's day look like? Let's ask you a question before we get into application. Is your Lord's Day unique? Is it different than any other day? If your Lord's Day is not different than any other day, that's probably a problem. Because however we understand Sabbath and, and what it looks like for us today, I think we all can agree your Lord's Day should be different. It ought to look different than all the days, every day. So whether you're an Old Covenant or New Covenant... That, where the Old Covenant, you say Sabbath, New Covenant, you say Lord's Day, your day should look different than all the other days. Just throw that question out there. Just kind of think about that. So application number one, I think, is what do we do on the Lord's Day is we worship. Yeah, we worship. God's calling us away from our own business to transact the most important business, which is to glorify Him and, and to worship and meet with other believers. Well, you know, I'm, we, we kind of get in this thing where we do Facebook Live and we love it. We have people that are traveling. They're with their families now. They're in different places, different states. And, and right now they're with their families. They're listening. They're watching. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm so thankful for Phil and Sarah and all those that work and put that together, Caleb and all those that are on that team, and they do that, and it's a, a wonderful ministry, and it's so helpful. But that's not a substitute for being here physically with brothers and sisters in Christ, rubbing elbows, talking, sharing, rebuking, encouraging, praying, right? Yeah. So the Lord's Day is about worship. God's calling us to worship. And then there's questions. Do you work? Can you cut the grass? Can you hunt? 
Can you fish? Can you go shopping? No, you can't go shopping. That's a sin. (laughs) Those things are, I think, just an issue of Christian liberty. Don't be judgmental. Don't judge others. That's what Paul's saying in Colossians 2, Romans 14. Five. You can pull that Romans 14, 5 text up. We'll look at that in a second. Let me just tell you this. My grandfather, Carl Hartsfield, he was a, a godly man. And like I said, I love him. And, and uh, he, he was influenced my life. And he, he would tell me, he and I both like to hunt and fish. When I was 15, I'd drive a 64 Chevrolet on a gravel road down Double Ridge Road to his house. And we would hunt two or three days a week after school. We like to squirrel hunt, hunt squirrel dogs. We fished a lot. Did that my, you know, my entire life. But when I got up to drive, and he would tell me because I, I would like to fish, and I could fish or hunt on Sunday morning as long as I was back in time for church, and then we hunted in between church. You know, we just like to hunt a lot. We hunted a lot, and he would always tell me, "Son, you don't need to hunt or fish on Sunday. You're violating the Sabbath." And so one Sunday, it was about there, I remember Chase is sitting right there. We didn't have the wings then, but I, I eased in church, uh, slid in there next to my mom, and she'd been asking me what I wanted for Christmas. And I, I said, hey, Mom, I know what I want for Christmas. She goes, what? I said, for you to fix my truck. She said, what do you, what do you mean? What, did, what happened to your truck? I said, I had a wreck. She goes, what? Right in front of church, you know. Well, I was going hunting, and I had a wreck. Tore my truck up. Well, about two weeks later, we had a bunch of, we had a bunch of dogs, hunting dogs, and some of them were pretty good. And two weeks later, my best dog got run over while we're hunting and so i came back and i told my granddad kept saying son i keep telling you you're not supposed to work on or or hunt or fish on sunday and i said yeah i think you've made a believer out of me or he's made a believer out of you right um there's uh you were not supposed to hunt and fish on on sunday now is that right or wrong well for him that was how he he worshiped and he didn't hunt or fish on sunday and that was good for him now, is he, could he be judgmental about that with someone else? Probably not. But I'm a kid. He can tell me what to do, right? And I'll, I'll say this about uh, Christian liberties. If you're a child, you do what your parents. You say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Whatever your parents say you're going to do, that's what you do on Sunday. Well, pastor said, maybe we shouldn't work and cut grass on Sunday, mama. And mama says, get your rear end out there and cut that grass. Oh, you the, the obedient thing to do is say, yes, ma'am, and get out there running, right, behind the mower. So kids, you do what your parents say you do. But when you get older, you'll make decisions for yourself. And you'll say, well, what's your conviction? What, how, do you, how, do you keep, you know, how do you keep the Lord's day? What do you do on the Lord's day? What's, what's helpful for you to, to do on the Lord's day? You know, we can debate that. Romans 14, 5, one person esteems one day it's better than the other. While another esteems all days alike, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And you can go back and read the context of that. Christian liberty, you know, we, have, we, we can disagree about certain things, right? But we worship. We have to worship. And some of you, your, your work schedules, you get called in or you have to work, you work swing shift. I get it all. I get that. But by and large, our habit should be we worship on worship day. Our families know on Sundays we worship. Now, second thing, by way of application, I think the Lord's Day should be important and embraced by the family, the whole family. So your children, let me tell you something, parents. If you love Sunday, my kids love Sunday. 
My kids don't want to go to the lake sometimes because they don't want to miss church because we talk about how we love Sunday. Parents, if you love church, you love worship, your kids are going to love it. If you're like, ah, I guess we'll go to church, you know what? Your kids will be, have the same attitude. I'm telling you, parents, your young children, they'll, they'll love church. And I, we've got a lot of kids who love church. They want to be here Sunday. They want to be here Wednesday night. And for some of you, it doesn't work out. But I tell you, if your schedules, your kids, they, they'll, if you want to be here, they'll be here too. So let's make the Lord's Day the most important day of the, the week. Worship Day is, is the most important day of the week. It should be, I, I think. And it starts the night before. This is point number three. You have to prepare for worship day. Now, how many of you stayed up last night watching TV or movies past midnight? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Rhetorical question. And some of you are like, man, I can't make it to 12 no more. That's about the way I am. But I think it, it starts on Saturday getting ready for worship day. If, if Sunday, if worship day is the most important day of the week, then you act like it. What's going to happen tonight in the afternoon? You say, well, all right, I've got to get work. I've got to get ready for work. I've got to get ready for the work week. And you act like it's important. You know, I've got to get my lunch ready. I've got to go get food whatever, for, for my lunch box. I get my clothes ready and da da da. You say, I'm going to get ready for the work week. That's a little backwards. On Saturday night, we need to be saying, we got to get ready for worship day tomorrow. And I'm going to tell you, at our house, we go to bed early. Friday night, I'm, my sister drives her crazy, but I, <laughs> Friday night, you come to my house, your kids going to, I'm going to say, you can stay up all night on Friday night. I got little ones. You can stay up all night long. I'm the coolest daddy in the world. And my kids, 11, 11, 11.30, guess what? They sleep. We don't have anything to do on Saturday. They can sleep in a little bit. They get enough sleep. But come Saturday night, mm-mm. We're going to bed early. Cut that off. Turn out your light. We're going to bed. Tomorrow's worship day. You have to make it important. No, man, everything we do on Saturday is geared around getting in bed early because Sunday morning's worship day. It needs to be important. And if it's important to you, it needs to be important to your kids. If you love church, your kids will love it. They will. And they should love it. Fourthly, whatever side of the issue we land on, like, you know, sorry, sorry, like, okay, do I need to rest and, like, not work or do anything, you know, on Sunday? I need to go to worship, but I just need to take a nap. And, and a lot of people do that on Sunday, and that's fine. Do that. In fact, I think it's, it's helpful to be, have a, sometimes to have a, a time of rest. You know, it's real important. You work seven days a week, every day, all the time. You age really quickly. I've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's important that we take care of our bodies and we rest. What does that look like? It's different for everybody. Steve is different for him. Me and him, it may be different. For you, cutting grass, you know, hell would be you having to cut grass every day, right? For me, it's not work. I mean, good gracious, you're on a riding mower. It's like almost fun, you know? But for me, cutting grass, is, it's not laborious. It doesn't bother me in the least bit. But for some of you, it's like, oh, that's like so much work. Yeah, we all have different opinions about things, you know? So whatever, wherever we fall on what we can do on, on the Lord's day, what matters most is that our eternal rest is found in Christ alone through faith alone. If someone says, you know what, we're going to go to worship and we can't do anything. I can't clean house. Some of you women finna jump all over this. I can't do clothes and I can't wash dishes. The vacuum cleaner, that's, I can't do that. 
I think that's violating the Lord's day or whatever. That's, that's, that's fine. That doesn't really matter. But what does matter is have you repented and trusted Christ? Because you can keep every, all the rules in, in your mind, what's good and what's not to do on the Lord's day. And okay, I'm going to do this and this is going to please the Lord. I'm not going to do that because that didn't please the Lord. Whatever. We have freedom in Christ. But none of that matters. If you've not repented and trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, none of that matters because you're not going to have rest regardless, not here or in the afterlife. You know, we're all sinners. We're separated from the Lord. We're all on a one-way road to hell, and that's what we deserve. But God sent His Son, Jesus, who died on the cross, and He took, our, he took sinners' debt, the wrath of the Father, He took upon Himself. On the cross, he died, he was buried. On the third day, he rose. The Bible says that so we can be justified. And the Bible says he ascended in heaven. But he says, one day I'm going to come back. And what is he going to do when he comes back? He's going to gather his church to himself and he's going to judge the, the, the sinner who's yet to be justified, who's yet to be reconciled to him. And if that's you, you've, you've yet to repent and trust Christ. I'll tell you, turn from your sin, live it for yourself, and trust Christ's work on the cross. And he'll give you his righteousness that you desperately need. That's the next application point. If you're not a believer, repent and trust Christ. You can't be good enough. You can't keep these whatever rules you've made up in your own mind. You can't keep the Old Testament law. You're a sinner. And you need Jesus' record. Jesus, he kept the Sabbath perfectly. The fourth commandment, fourth commandment, right? He's kept it perfectly for us if we just trust him. Jesus is our rest. We rest in Christ. We do this continually, day to day. But there is a sense where we do that corporately on the Lord's day. We experience the rest that Christ promises us, if you're a believer, every day. But there is a sense where we do that corporately together as a church. And you, there, some of you are visiting here, and I'm going to talk with some of you in just a few minutes. And I'm going to tell you the churches, if I were you and you're here and you want to find a good church, I'm going to tell you the churches I think are good churches with pastors teaching the Word. Well, church is going to love you and get in your business. I'll tell you that in just a minute. And our church may be the church for you, but it may not be the church for you. You want a pastor that wears a tie and tucks his shirt in every Sunday. You want a church that does this and church that does that. You want a church that get the preacher preaches shorter. I want a church where the preacher preaches longer. If I could find one. But wherever you choose to worship, you need to find a church family where you can commit to, lock arms with, and start living life together with these folks. But we do that together day to day, but we on worship day we meet together. In our church, we meet on Wednesday for midweek Bible study. There's times where we have incredibly heavy loads on our, in our lives. We were, we're burdened, and we struggle. That's where the church can help. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 tells us, Paul's writing, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How do we do that? It's we come together and we worship together corporately and we meet in small groups and we share our lives together. Share our burdens and we begin to carry each other's burden by praying and helping and serving and loving. Lastly, you fall on this, you may say, man, you're a little bit too loosey-goosey on this thing. Well, Jesus is a Sabbath and the Sabbath rest we, we find we find in Christ and trust in Him. But there is a sense where we need to rest. And I'm as um, guilty as anyone of 
not resting. I like to work. You know, there's, there's two types of people in the world, people that work too much and people that don't work enough. You know, and I'm on the other extreme, along with Blake. We just want to do something all the time, right? Sleep to me is a waste of daggum time. Why the Lord come up with that, I don't know. You know, it's six to eight hours of nothingness, right? When you could be like working. Yeah, everybody's different, you know. But there is wisdom in getting rest. And sometimes, you know, you have to have people tell you that, hey, man, just rest. You need to take a break. And we do. We need to rest. You know, I don't think that you can't do anything, you know, on the church. You come to church and you can't watch you can't watch football. You can't da-da-da-da-da. You know, we, we don't need to get into all that. That's legalism. That's like the Pharisees did in New Testament. You have to come to understanding of worship. It's about worship day. What do I need to do to get that done? But there is this element of rest that it's just wise. you got to get enough sleep and rest, whatever it means. You have to get rhythms in your life that allow you to rest. And we see the Father, what did he do in creation? He, he didn't get tired, but there is seemed like there's something going on there. And I, that's the only thing that I can't really tie together and how do we separate that in the New Covenant. I think there's wisdom in getting rest where you can just slow down. And we just live in, in this culture today. I mean, I remember, you remember, I mean, there were no stores. Stores weren't open. You couldn't buy gas. Stores weren't open. So what would you do on Sunday? You didn't go do all that stuff because there was nothing open. So what would you do? You stayed home. Man, it was, so, it was a lot easier, wasn't it? A lot easier then. There's, there was fewer things competing for your time and attention. There were no ball games. The lights didn't come on at the ball field in Munford on Sundays or Wednesdays. No, there was church days, right? And now, guess what? We got, where are you? Why aren't you? I got ball practice. I'm like, what? On Wednesday? You got ball practice? Sunday, you got a ball game? That's crazy. Who come up with that? You know, so it's so many things competing for us. Get your rest and make sure you're worshiping corporately on the Lord's Day. That's what we see in the New Testament. So many other things to talk about and questions. I'm sure I'd love to answer questions if I can. Your small group leaders will be talking about these things as well and like I said there's putting that all together is difficult it's a debated um, commandment it's the most difficult of the ten I do believe Um, so grace to you this week the kids are most kids some kids had fall break last week but most of our kids are having fall break this week so grace to you Um, get your rest but don't just lay around the house and sleep all day. If you sleep more than 10 hours a day, that's too much. You're being lazy. Get up and clean the house. Mow the grass. Help your mom and daddies out. Yeah, let's be a church that honors the Lord in how we worship. There is a Lord's Day and we worship together. And you say, well, I'm here, dude. Why do you keep talking about this? Yeah, isn't it great? You have a desire to be at church. That's a, that's a God working in your life. Because there's a lot of other things you could be doing. I'm so thankful that the Lord's giving you a desire to be here and worship. That's why we study and we try to put time in and prepare. These people leading us in music and worship, they they come 8 o'clock, 8.30 Sunday morning. They're here Wednesday night till 10 to get ready. So Sunday, worship our worship time together can be sweet. So I know you want to 
remember that and give them a word of thanks and encouragement for all they do. All the people in the sound, they stay and yeah, it's early and late. But we try to be prepared to sing truth and teach truth so God can use it in your life. But let's pray and we're going to be dismissed, okay? Father, you are good to us and we're thankful for your word and how you lead us and show us your will through your word. And we're thankful for the old covenant how you gave the law, how that law is a tutor pointing us to Jesus. And we're thankful that Jesus came and he fulfilled the law that we couldn't keep. We're thankful that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. We're thankful for all the, the people here in the sanctuary today. There's so many who have a testimony of how you've called them out of darkness and brought them in the kingdom of, of your son. And they've been changed and, and you've given them Christ record of keeping the, the whole law. Lord, we couldn't do that on our own. We're so thankful. And Lord, what freedom we have. Lord, what freedom we have because of that. We are righteous in Christ. Lord, we don't have to pine over or be anxious and worry about little nitpicky things. Father, we're thankful for the freedom we have in Christ. And Lord, may we Worship you as we should. Father, continue to give us a desire to be together. Lord, I just pray for, for our children that they would love to, to go to church and they would love to worship. Lord, they would want to be here Sundays. They'd want to be here Wednesdays. I pray that you would give them that desire. And that, Lord, we would continue to just to be faithful, to teach the word, and to love people as we have opportunity. Lord, as we leave, may you give us grace to obey your word. And for these small group leaders, Lord, as they meet, may you use them to... Um, to clarify, to clear up, and to encourage all that they shepherd. For those that are ill, we pray for grace for them. For those that are shut in who are older and ailing, we pray for grace that you would give them perseverance in their faith. May we be the church we should be in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace to you. You're dismissed. Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like more information about our church, call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.